Amen. Well, if you please take your Bible and turn with me now to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 1. And Habakkuk, once again, it's that tiny little book in your Bible, right? Okay, it's only three chapters long. It's not super easy to find. It is the fifth book back from the end of your Old Testament. But once again, unless you know your Old Testament real well, you're probably going to either use your table of contents to find it. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, it's page 929. And as I mentioned last week, once you find it, bookmark it, okay? Or memorize that page number, because we're going to be coming back to this book uh, again over the next several weeks. Our message series is called The Journey from Doubt to Faith. The Journey from Doubt to Faith, because that's really what the book of Habakkuk is all about. Habakkuk was a prophet who was struggling with questions about evil in the world and why, why God permits evil in the world. And we said last week, Habakkuk had three big questions, right? Three big questions. Number one, does God care? Number two, is God fair? Number three, is God there? And you know, people are still asking those same questions today, aren't they? And the book of Habakkuk, it traces Habakkuk's journey from doubt to faith as he brings his complaints to God and finds satisfying answers to his questions. And the book begins with today's passage where Habakkuk asks the first of his three questions, does God care? And we're going to be looking at chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 through the uh, full uh, message today, but I'm just going to begin by reading chapters, uh, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. So will you please stand with me? For the reading of God's word as we begin. Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 1 through 6. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we look into your word this morning, as we look at this opening passage in the book of Habakkuk, uh, Lord, we open up our hearts to you. God, speak to us. Speak to us through your word, by your Holy Spirit that we may draw closer to you through Jesus, your Son. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Before we jump into the message, I I, I forgot to uh, mention this earlier, but if you look inside your worship guide, uh, you'll see uh, two two inserts in there. One is an outline of today's message, which you're welcome to take out to follow along. But there's also a sheet of Bible memory verses 
uh, from the book of Habakkuk. And uh, so over the next number of weeks as we go through this study, we're going to be uh, working on some memory verses together as a church. And the first one is Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. We just read that. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And uh, so on one side of that sheet, you have all the verses written out. On the other side, you have the schedule. So the goal is to memorize Habakkuk 1.5 for next week, June 20th. And uh, so if you'll work on that and uh, just do a little bit each day, you'll have it. And uh, let's really work on this together as a church family. I've also, on the side of the schedule, I've included what I call the first letter helps, uh, where I've written out the first letter of each word. And you know, as you, what you do is you, you look on the side of the verse, look at the nations and watch. You just read that first phrase. You flip the sheet over, and you go to the first letters. Look at the nations and watch. It jumps right out at you once you've read it and you look at the letters. And you just continue to work your way through that until you don't need the letters anymore. It's a great way to memorize. That's how I do all of my Bible memory, is I using the first letter helps. So let's, uh, let's get going here now. Does God care? Does God care? You know, that is a question that has haunted countless persons over the ages as they have tried to grapple with the problem of evil in the world. They ask questions like, well, if God is all-powerful, right? If God is all-powerful, then why does he even allow evil and suffering? Is God concerned about us? Does God notice all the troubles that take place here on our planet? Does God care? You know, if you have ever asked questions similar to these, and most of us have, then you are not alone. Because Habakkuk struggled with these same questions and doubts. And remember, he was a prophet, and he struggled with these things. You know, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1 begins, it begins this way. It says, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. You know, Habakkuk is one of only three prophets in the whole Old Testament who specifically identify themselves as prophets at the beginning of their books. You know, the other two are Haggai and Zechariah. Habakkuk identifies himself as a prophet, and he identifies the book that follows as the oracle that he received. That's interesting. We're not used to hearing that word oracle, are we, right? Well, an oracle is simply another word for prophecy. Habakkuk is saying from the very first verse in this whole book that the message of this book, it is not a message of his own devising. He didn't sit down one day and say, you know what, I think I'll just write a book and name it Habakkuk, okay? This is not his message. Rather, it is a prophecy. It is a message from the Lord that came through Habakkuk. You know, there are several Hebrew words that we can translate with the word oracle or prophecy. But the particular word here in verse 1 is, is a word that also con conveys the idea of a burden. Of a burden. It's used especially to, to describe prophecies that carry a warning or a rebuke for the hearers. It may also imply that bringing a prophecy of judgment upon a people, that was a burden for the prophet as well, right? It's never easy to be the bearer of bad news. Habakkuk tells us that he received 
this oracle. And that word translated received, it's, it's a word that also means to see something, to perceive something. And so it's very possible that Habakkuk received this message as part of a vision. It was something that he saw that he then wrote down. But either way, this, this whole first verse, it points us back to God as the very source of this message. That Habakkuk, he was only the channel through whom God brought his word. You know, we find the same thing in the New Testament. The apostle Peter in the New Testament says this about Old Testament prophecy. He says this in the book of 2 Peter. He says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened to Habakkuk. And so Habakkuk begins by presenting his whole message. He's saying, this is a prophecy that comes straight from God. This is the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received from the Lord. So today we're looking at verses 1 through 11. This forms the first section of this whole oracle. And this first section contains two parts. You've got verses 2 through 4. That's where Habakkuk brings his complaint before the Lord. I should say Habakkuk brings his first complaint before the Lord. Okay, Habakkuk's going to have others to follow. But he brings his complaint before the Lord. And then you've got verses 5 through 11 where God graciously answers Habakkuk's complaint. And once again, if we're going to sum up Habakkuk's complaint in these verses, it all comes down to that single question, does God care? Does God care? So let's begin now, Habakkuk's complaint. Why do we sometimes think that God doesn't care? Why do we sometimes think that God does not care? Okay, because that's what Habakkuk's struggling with here, right? Let's take a look at it. We find three reasons in these opening verses. One reason is when we pray, but we do not see God's answer right away. We pray, but we don't see God's answer right away. Look at the beginning of verse 2. Habakkuk cries out to God, How long, O Lord? Right? How long must I call for help, but you do not listen? And so apparently, Habakkuk, he's been doing this for a while. He's been praying to God for quite some time, but he does not see any answer coming. It got to the point where he began to wonder, is God even listening? Is he even hearing my prayers? Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever wonder if God is listening when you pray? Have you ever prayed for something? I mean, really prayed. You threw yourself into it, and then when the answer didn't come... You began to question, didn't you, just like Habakkuk? Did God even hear me? When God does not answer our prayers right away, we sometimes think he doesn't care. God doesn't care. And then another reason we sometimes think God doesn't care is when we are in trouble and God does not deliver us right away. Okay, when we're in trouble and God does not deliver us right away. Look at the second half of verse 2 now. Habakkuk continues his how long prayer. I call this his how long prayer. How long, O Lord, must I cry out to you violence, but you do not save? And the word that's translated violence here, it also carries the ideas of cruelty and intention. 
Okay, it's, it's not used to violence as like perhaps in a violent sport or a, you know, a violent storm, but always of violence in a sinful context where one person wrongfully does violence to another. Where one person wrongfully does violence to another. You know, one of the most difficult things that we, we deal with in life It's when someone harms you intentionally and unjustly, unfairly. A violent injustice is much harder to handle than an accidental injury or pain. Why? Because you have that additional affront to your dignity. And this was Habakkuk's situation. So he cries out, Lord, how long? How long? You can just hear the the desperation and the pain in his cry. How about you? Have you ever prayed one of these how long prayers? Have you been there? I'm sure you have, right? How long? How long, oh Lord, until I finally find a job? How long until I get better? How long until my marriage improves? How long until my loved ones come to Christ? How long until this burden is lifted from me? You know, we go through many troubles in this life, and when we are in trouble, and God does not deliver us right away, what do we do? We sometimes think that God does not care. And then a third reason we sometimes think God does not care is when we see the wicked triumphing over the righteous. The wicked triumphing over the righteous. And in the next two verses, Habakkuk's going to change his question up now, okay? He's been asking God, how long? How long? Now he's going to ask a different question. You might recognize this one too, okay? Why? Okay, the why questions. Look at verses 3 and 4 with me now. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. You have to understand Habakkuk was writing at a time when the people of Judah, okay, that's the southern kingdom of Israel, the people of Judah, they had almost completely abandoned their loyalty to God and their loyalty to God's laws. And Habakkuk looks around. This is God's chosen people, right? This is the people of God. And he's simply surrounded by violence and destruction, conflict, strife. He couldn't look to the leaders for help because the leaders were equally corrupt. And the law, God's law, was virtually paralyzed in this situation. And justice hardly, if ever, prevailed. He says the wicked not only outnumbered the righteous, but they surrounded the righteous few, hemming them in, cutting them off, twisting and distorting things until justice was no longer recognizable. And so Habakkuk cries out to the Lord. He says, why? Why do you make me look at this? Why do you make me look at injustice? Lord, why do you tolerate wrong? Lord, don't you care? Have you ever asked God the why questions, right? 
You ever wonder, why does God do it? Why does God allow evil in this world? Do you ever, ever wonder why people who have no concern for God and his laws seem to prosper and get ahead? Meanwhile, well, here you are trying to do your best for God, right, and to serve, and you feel like you're falling behind. And then you begin to wonder, is it, is it even worth it all? Does God really care? See, these are some of the questions Habakkuk was struggling with at the beginning of his journey from doubt to faith. So those are some of the reasons we sometimes think God does not care. Okay, well, how do we know that God does care? What about when we pray and we don't see God's answer right away? What about when we're in trouble and God doesn't deliver us right away? What about when the wicked triumph over the righteous? I mean, in those situations, it really could look that way, that God doesn't care. But of course, we all know looks can be deceiving, right? And so, in verses 5 through 11, God responds to Habakkuk's complaint. And in answering Habakkuk's question, God shows Habakkuk, and he shows us as well, that yes, he does notice, yes, he is concerned, Yes, God does care. So how does he do this? Well, first of all, God assures us. He assures us that he hears our every prayer. He assures us that he hears our every prayer. Remember, Habakkuk wondered if God was listening to his prayers, listening to his prayers for justice. But you know what? God was listening all along. Look at verse Five now. God is speaking now, where God tells Habakkuk. He says, Habakkuk, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your day that you would not believe, even if you were told. And so not only had God been listening, but get this, God was also moving entire nations around in answer to Habakkuk's prayer. God told the back, he says, you just watch and see how I'm going to answer your prayer. And you are going to be utterly amazed. Isn't, isn't that just like God, right? While we're busy crying out, how long, how long? And wondering if he's even listening. God is already in the process of answering our prayers. And God often answers in the most amazing ways. If someone told you in advance how God was going to answer your prayers, you probably wouldn't even believe it. You go, whoa. Didn't see that one coming, right? God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so when we pray and God doesn't answer right away, sometimes we do think that. We think God doesn't care, but God says no. God assures us. He hears our every prayer. 1 John chapter 5 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. God hears and answers us when we pray. Now, does God answer every prayer? Well, there are certainly some conditions God lays out for us in his word. First, God says we must ask according to his will. We just read that in 1 John 5. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We know that we need to pray uh, through Jesus, our mediator, and in Jesus' name. God says that we must ask unselfishly. 
Uh, we read that in the book of James. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. James chapter 4, verse 3. God also says we must come to him with a pure heart. Well, once again, unless you know Jesus, you don't have a pure heart. So you got to come through Jesus, but you need a pure heart. Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, if I was holding on to that sin, I don't want to let go of this, God, but I still want you to answer my prayers. No, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But when you come before God with a pure heart, with right motives, in and through the name of Jesus and asking according to his will, God promises to hear and answer your prayers. God assures us that he hears our every prayer. You know what that means? God cares. God cares. And then another way we know that God cares is because God promises us that he will deliver us in his time. He will deliver us in his time. Now, this is the answer to that first question that Habakkuk had, that how long question, right? How long, Lord? How long must I wait? Well, God has his purposes, and we need to learn to trust his timing. Look at verse 6 now, where God tells Habakkuk how he will deliver him. God says, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places, not their own. Now, this was that amazing part. Remember God said, I'm going to do something amazing. You wouldn't believe it even if I told you. This is that amazing thing that, uh, that God was telling Habakkuk about. And while Habakkuk was busy crying out, how long? What was God doing? He was orchestrating the events of history so that the Babylonians would come to world dominance And then they would come and invade Judah, and they would finally bring an end to the violence and injustice in Judah. Habakkuk had to wait for God's timing in all this, but God assured him, hey, once the Babylonians come, the deliverance would be swift and sure. Look at all of the words relating to speed and quickness uh, spread throughout verses 6 through 11. The Babylonians are impetuous. And the Hebrew word there, it's a word that means to be hasty or in a hurry. They sweep across the earth. Their horses are swifter than lepers. Their cavalry gallops headlong. They fly like an eagle or vulture. They sweep past like the wind. All words having to do with swiftness, quickness. You know, when we are in trouble and God does not deliver us right away, yeah, sometimes we might think God does not care. But God promises to deliver us in his time. Psalm 34, 19 says, A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Psalm 91, verse 5 says, He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we read these verses earlier in the service today. 1 Peter chapter 5 reminds us that we need to look to God's timing for our deliverance, not our own. I've always got my own timetable, and I always seem to be a little bit ahead of God. You you got that problem too? I'm always ahead of God. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And the God of all grace 
who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God promises that he will deliver us in his time. You know what that means? God cares. God cares. And then the third way we know that God cares is because God affirms that he will judge all evil in the world. This is the answer to Habakkuk's why question. When Habakkuk asked God, Lord, why do you tolerate wrong? And God's answer to Habakkuk is basically this. I don't. <laughs> I do not tolerate wrong. In fact, I will judge all the wrongs in this world. The nation of Judah was full of violence and injustice. The people of Judah had turned away from God and his law, and now God would judge the nation of Judah for her sins. God was raising up the Babylonians for this very purpose. And in verses 6 through 11, God describes what this coming Babylonian invasion is going to be like. It's terrifying. Let's just walk through these verses real quickly. Verse 6, God calls the Babylonians that ruthless and impetuous people. You know, and the, the word ruthless means bitter. It speaks of the bitterness of the judgment to come. We've already seen the word impetuous means to be hasty or in a hurry. God says they will sweep across the whole earth. They will seize dwelling places not their own. The word dwelling place in the Hebrew, it's the same word for tabernacle. You know what the tabernacle was, right? Remember, that was God's dwelling place among the Israelites in the wilderness. It implies not only will the Babylonians take away the, the people of Judah's homes, but they will also destroy the temple, God's permanent dwelling place in Jerusalem, which had replaced the tabernacle. Verse 7, God says they are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves. They promote their own honor. In other words, the Babylonians have no respect for law or justice. And they have no concern for anyone else. You cannot reason with them. You cannot negotiate with them. They're only concerned with themselves, their own honor. They are a feared and dreaded people. Verse 8 describes the Babylonians in terms of not only swift now, but also fierce predators. They're like leopards, uh, renowned for their speed. They are evening wolves, hungry and ready for the hunt. They're like a, a vulture swooping down to devour. And the, the word vulture there can, can also mean an eagle. I think that's a better choice. I like that, the picture of a, a great eagle swooping down on its prey. And then you get to verses 9 and 10, and these verses picture the Babylonians as an unstoppable force. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind. They gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. And then verse 11 says that they just sweep past like the wind and they go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. One of the things is, as you go through this description of the Babylonians, you might notice is how the description of the Babylonians corresponds in many ways to the people of Judah and the problems they were having, right? The people of Judah are described as how? They were full of violence. And then how are the Babylonians described? As ruthless, all bent 
on violence. It's the same thing, right? The people of Judah distorted justice. They undermined the law. Now they're going to be overcome by a people who are a law unto themselves. Habakkuk asked God, God, why do you tolerate wrong? And God answered Habakkuk, I don't and I won't. Okay, the people of Judah will be judged for their sin. And when we see injustice in the world, when we see the wicked triumphing over the righteous, we make that mistake, don't we? We sometimes think God doesn't care. But God affirms that he will judge all evil and all wrongs in the world. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 17 says that God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity a time for every deed. Now you might wonder, um, you might wonder, why did God wait so long to judge the people of Judah? Why did Habakkuk have to say, how long, how long, I've been praying forever. Why did God wait so long? We know from other books in the Old Testament, the reason God did not judge the nation of Judah right away is because he was giving them time to repent and to turn from their sins. That's the whole reason why God sent prophets like Jeremiah and Habakkuk. The whole reason was to warn them of coming judgment in hopes that they would turn away from their sins. In fact, if Judah had responded even to this prophecy from Habakkuk, Even to this prophecy right here in verses 1 through 11, if they had responded with genuine and sincere repentance, God may very well have withdrawn his hand of judgment. God, in his mercy, was giving them time to repent. But when Judah did not repent, even after being given chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity, when she did not repent of her sins, God's judgment finally came. And when it came, okay, when it came, it came swiftly, severely, and completely. And folks, we are in the exact same situation today. God, in his mercy, also gives you time He gives you time to turn away from your sins and to come to Christ for salvation. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 says this concerning Christ's return and the final judgment. It says this, the Lord is not slow. We sometimes think that, right? That's why we go, how long, how long? No, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. No, he is patient with you. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And let me tell you right now, on the authority of God's word, according to God's promise to you, if you repent of your sins and come to Jesus Christ for salvation, you will be saved. You will. But if you do not know this, God's time of judgment will come for you just as it did for the people of Judah. And that's why the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 2, trying to prompt us towards repentance. He says, or, or do, you, do you show contempt 
for the riches of God's kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Make no mistake, God does care about sin and evil. And he affirms that he will judge all evil in the world. You know, Habakkuk struggled with unanswered prayers. He struggled with trials and troubles in his life. He struggled with the problem of evil. This caused him to doubt. And he began to question, does God care? And God answered him, yes. Yes, Habakkuk, I do care. He showed Habakkuk that, yes, he hears our prayers. He delivers us in his time. He will judge all evil in the world. And if you're Habakkuk this morning, if you've been struggling with doubts just like Habakkuk, if you've been wondering, what am I supposed to do with all of these questions, with all of these doubts, I believe Habakkuk is a a good example for us in this regard. You know, too often when we're, we're struggling with doubts in life, uh, we do the wrong thing. What do we do? We walk away from God. <laughs> you know, if we're struggling with doubts and questions, we walk away from God. But what did Habakkuk do? He did just the opposite. He came to God. He came to God with all of his questions and all of his doubts. And you know what? God answered him. And it may not have been the answer he was looking for. In fact, God's answer prompted a whole new set of questions for Habakkuk. We'll look at those next week. But the important thing is Habakkuk, he just keeps coming back to God. He keeps coming back to God. And I believe that that is the key when you have questions. Bring your doubts and your questions to God. Come to Jesus in faith, believing. Because God listens. God notices. God cares. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you for the example of Habakkuk. We thank you for the truth that is recorded for us in your word to help us when we have some of those same questions. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today who's been having those questions and just really struggling and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and holding off and saying, how long, oh Lord, or why, Lord, uh, and just been been fighting your Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would speak to their heart even today, that you would break through the walls of resistance. Holy Spirit, that you would flood their heart with your love and care for them. And Lord, that they would respond and embrace you in full faith believing, saying, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to serve you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I confess my sin. I leave it at the cross. I come to you. Lord, speak to each of our hearts. Help us to walk away with your word in our hearts as changed people today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.